0: Thank you for tuning in to the First Gen Hunter podcast, the go-to resource for those seeking to establish a foundation in hunting knowledge, skills, and tactics.
1: Well, we have the deer hunter, DBM. If you're a North American whitetail reader such as myself, and I believe Alex is as well. Um, And uh, you just understand, too, uh, that around whitetail culture, North American whitetail is critically important. In fact, we had um, Cody Idle on, uh, let's see here, Alex, what was that? Maybe a month and a half? Two. It might be two months ago already. Holy cow. Two months
2: ago, yeah.
1: Time is flying. He was, I think, our first episode in our elk series. And his dad, Dick Idle, uh, I believe was one of the, there was two guys that, that started North American whitetail and he was, he was one of those two. And, um, I'm in talks with somebody who was, uh, had his, uh, Clint's going to know exactly what I'm talking about here. Uh, Zeke Snyder, the Zeke Snyder buck of 2020. Remember that monster? Uh, I think he was, a, what was it? a 233 inch out of, um, Mercer County. Illinois,
2: oh, that's a giant. Yep.
1: Oh, opening day, <laughs> October one buck, and uh, so I, we're we're in talks on getting him on the show. But um, Clint, you're gonna be kicking off uh, deer season for all the uh, all the rest of us who get that later start, that October one start here, man. This this episode's coming out tomorrow, and um, it's it's uh, I I think it's the perfect you're the perfect guy to be doing it. It's going to be uh uh you know one where we have a guy who is as passionate as it gets about hunting the mighty whitetail. And uh that, that that is Clint McCoy, deer hunter DVM out of Illinois and uh Clint, you just got back. You got a little lucky down in Kentucky, man. You uh you uh, uh arrowed a nice like really a kind of a uh freaky looking buck he's he's cool
0: (laughs) yeah guys thanks for having me man I I really enjoy stuff like this especially when we're talking about um hunting in the scope of North American whitetail um I I got to give a shout out to the OGs that put that magazine together Mm. because in you know a lot of podcasts I've been on they always ask you your background and how you got started and this that, and the other and you know, I grew up on a family dairy farm where we didn't have a whole lot of timber. Mm-hmm. And I always was fascinated with deer. But my dad was always like, hey, dude, like this hunting thing. <laughs> he would physically tell me, hey, hunting is a waste of time. <laughs> and I, we never, he wasn't a hunter. He was a worker. He was a dairy farmer. Right. And I don't know why, but I always had this insatiable passion just to view and see whitetails and i would always i don't know why my dad was that way other than the fact that it was work instead of play for mm-hmm. him and i don't hold that against him but back in the day when i was learning we didn't have social media we didn't have youtube and, and all this stuff that we had and in podcasts. we didn't yep. have any of that. we had books we had magazines we had babe Wankelman on tv
3: yeah
0: <laughs> that, that yep. was it yeah <laughs> and so i used to go up to our local barber shop back in the day as a kid and i would get up there in the summer on their busiest day and listen to some of these old timers that would talk about hunting stories and smoke cigarettes and and, like they would have those little cigarette machines where you could punch one out and smoke one right after another and they would tell lies (laughs) uh, (laughs) i was this little kid and I would go up there on purpose just so I didn't have to sweat it out in the straw barn. Yeah. And I would, and they always had, his name is Ron Holt. He was the barber, right? And Ron was a fisherman, but he always kept North American whitetail, mm. field and string, bass masters, and, um, sports field and, and like a couple car mags. Right. Sure. And I would sit there right by a stinking ashtray. One of them gold ones, yep. you know, that flip they matches in. And I would try and read, north american whitetail cover to cover so i didn't have to buy it <laughs> yeah <know>? right yeah <laughs> you know, and literally i i took out one of those little you know those little subscription cards out of one of his barbershop mags and i filled it out and sent a check in my own check from when i started working had my checkbook and i've had a subscription to that mag ever since
1: that's awesome. And
0: I kept every single one of them, and and the first ones I got were even before when we got nine one one addresses, and it says Rule Route One Box One Eighty. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and I've got I've got all of them from like I don't know ninety five, and that's wow. when everything was that was kicking off, and mm-hmm. and um, so I've been a. It it taught me like reading that magazine and in that brand taught me stories and hunting techniques and I was reading things from Dick Idle and 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 David Morris who was a, a founder and Gordon Whittington who was the editor in chief then at the time and uh greg miller was a contributor and all these uh stan pos and all these old timers that we look up to nowadays yeah yeah and um i remember thinking you know what one of these days i'd love to be one of them guys mm. you know and across the street from the barber shop was a our little old small town library and i would check out Fred Bear's field notes and they, those were dated by 10 15 years by that time and I would read them stories about him stalking grizzly bears with, like, a recurve in Alaska. <laughs> yeah. and, like, and those adventure stories, I'm like, man, I've got to do this. And that's how I kind of got my my teaching in. And, you know, years later, once I got through, I went to veterinary school in Illinois and became a veterinarian. And I, I finally met uh, Gordon Whittington there, who was the editor-in-chief at the time. Of North American whitetail, and and I spoke with him uh, about, hey, maybe to maybe I'd like to write for you guys one of these days if that'd be possible. And um, he actually, we 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 shot a my son had shot a really big buck that year. He hmm. scored two scored two o five and six eights. Wow! Yeah. wow. He was he was the second biggest non typical in the state, and wow. the kid when he shot him with a bow, and I'll never forget it. We walk in, it's the Illinois deer and turkey classic, right? Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget it. We walk in, they've got him put up on that big wall. Yep. It's the only buck we've ever scored. I'm not a score guy. I don't care about it. But we walk in and we see that buck that we've been chasing. And there's Gordon Whittington and Stan Potts. And they're pointing up at that deer's giant Mm -hmm. triple main beam. And I'm like, get the phone out. Pop, 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 yeah. pop, pop, pop. <laughs> and it was like that solidification moment. Like, we, I've done something good there. Yes. And even no, though it's not my deer, it's the boys.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and that's when we introduced each other, and and everything took off from there. We started writing for him then there that spring, and the ball was rolled into. Article after article, and and they just offered me a position for their their TV series uh this year. And I'm the rookie this year. That's <laughs> cool. Like That's cool. I'm so That's awesome. I'm so old now, but <laughs> but it's cool. To, <laughs> it feels good though that they have enough faith in me to allow me to follow the footsteps of some of those guys that I looked up to, and and I take it very very seriously. So my first trip down to Kentucky, I went with. Blake Garlock, who's the associate editor, and okay. they had those. They had some cameramen there, and man, they had those big thirty thousand dollar cameras. And I whiffed on a dough like an idiot the last day. <laughs> of nice, <night>.
3: classic.
0: <laughs> and I was really hanging my head. And Blake shot a dough that evening, so he was really rubbing it in. And you know, I helped him drag it off the side of the hill, and we bro- we were like, and we broke it down. Yeah, and, and um, you know, we helped each other in that scenario, but we, we got that part of the the story laid down on the way home from our first time of the year, I was eight miles from home and a doe runs out in front of me in my 225,000 mile
3: truck
0: and I smashed her and it wrecks the front end of the truck, just destroys it. And, And I just put like seven grand in it, just getting it ready for season and traveling and such. And I thought, Oh, I can live at home. And after about six miles of trying, uh uh-uh, uh, started overheating.
1: Oh, so, no, no. Radiator.
0: radiator's
2: oh, no. gone.
0: Yeah, <laughs> go like, go but the first thing I did, though, was get it out and make sure that she was gone. Yeah. And she was. Uh, and I was just so, it was such a low moment. Like, I wasn't upset about how the hunt went. It was just how I got home. And yeah. anyway, we got the whole truck deal taken care of. And I, it was eating at me over the next weekend and i'm like i got one more weekend i can try it before illinois i called the guys at the show and i'm like hey you care if i go try and get a little payback <laughs> they're like no go ahead we've seen your youtube stuff you guys know how to film um and some of those camera fellows that i was with showed me how to um tweak my a prosumer camera to their specs and my wife and i went and she went she and i went to the same tree that i whipped on that dough and that first evening we were in here that junker buck comes and <laughs> the wife is good about filming colleen my wife is not she's not a killer like we are but she likes being immersed in nature mm. and she she respects what we do and she never complains like Mm. I'm late. i for supper tonight. She didn't complain. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's she's an ally, you know, and I appreciate that. Mm. That's a good son. word. That's a really it good word. It is a good word. Um, and so he pops out and early, and he's coming. And I, I tell I tell call. I'm like, hey. I'm, I'm going to shoot that deer if he gives me a crack, so get ready. And she was like, you're yeah, not going to shoot him, are you? He's got kind of a junky side. I'm like, yes, I am. <laughs> he's got a cool <laughs> side. <laughs> he's, a, he's, a, he's a non-breeder cow He's I think he's a four-year-old. Mm-hmm. And this farm, I'm, we're, we as a, a team, um, we try to manage it. Do mm-hmm. it yourself farm. It's not, a, it's not an outed deal. And, um, he, long story short, he comes into my strong side and he gives me a crack and I'm like, are you good? She says, yep. Send it flat. And he was 18 steps and I, I made a really clean shot on him and he's broadside with his head down and shot him. He ran maybe 60 yards and you could hear him crash. Oh and man. It was awesome. Like my, my wife and I were like spazzing out. We were trying to keep it cool because it was like TV related. You know? like, oh, <laughs> like, don't swear. Yeah. Um, keep it clean. Yeah. Um, but I had I had um, we had, we're sponsored by Browning and Browning does a great job of sponsoring us as a show and and a, and a, a magazine and and I had all my Browning wear on but. All this stuff is kind of new to me about sponsorship gear and stuff and I'm not a I'm not a TV guy. I never have been. Mm-hmm. This is all really foreign and new to me. I don't want to mess things up. Right. But yeah. On my head I had an old retro logo uh, North American whitetail hat, like the old logo and I had it backwards so the camera could see it. Mhm. And it was just like I it was just like I wanted to pay respect If I got a shot, I wanted that to be in the shot. You know what I mean? Yeah. And out. And so we got him shot. We got him recovered. And you'll never guess what we drug that gnarly junker buck of a deer out of the timber off the side of the mountain with. My wife's two. uh, Sorry, it's a 2011 Kia Sorento with (laughs) (laughs) 320,000 miles. Oh yeah, that's awesome. that fat rascal out of there with a Kia Sorento. And- I love
1: it. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. I that that tells a tale right there, man. That's Totally. The-
3: <laughs>
0: Make it happen.
2: Make it happen.
0: Do what it takes. Do what it takes. And, and it's such a good job of laying it down. And um, I was really, really proud of that because, you know, just and I even said it on camera, like, this is such a surreal m- moment for me to come full circle from a kid learning from the brand to writing for the brand and now being able to represent them Mm. nationally on, on television that maybe some kid might be out there learning from me one day.
3: Right. Mm.
0: And that's pretty surreal. And I try to represent both the brand and the mighty whitetail in in best I can. And that was really fun. But by the time we were done, I was ready to go home and sleep for a couple of days. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> I bet.
1: Well that that's a moment. Yeah, that's an that's an awesome, awesome story. The kind of thing that, you know, I think when you can start out your season on a high on a high point like that, it's good momentum going forward. Yeah. And um I, that was that was actually the first thought. Well, first of all, I was like, wow, that's a cool buck and then the the very next thought was that's gotta feel really good for Clint right now, knowing that Illinois doesn't start for you know at that time almost a week, and i I don't know, maybe this is just me, but going into every season you 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 don't want to feel it, but you feel a little bit of pressure, like you oh, know yeah. you know and for me, it's mostly I got a young family, you know, I got three kids and a wife, and that's our meat, you know, I wanna make yeah. sure that that I'm providing in that way. And, um, so I feel that pressure love, man, I, I need to get that taken care of. And then once that monkey's off my back, it's like, you know, forward, you know, I can, I can really, I can really hone in then. But, uh, that has to feel really good going into October 1, having, having a nice buck, already uh already butchered by yourself and uh ready ready to be eaten and antlers ready to go on the wall and uh just a uh game bag full of stories there just coming out of that one that one hunt already and and the significance there of having your wife along with you man that's just that's a picture that paints itself but uh you uh you're already up to some shenanigans here in Illinois again already this evening what was going down tonight
0: Yeah, things got a little wild. Um, (laughs) I'll be the first to tell you, I'm definitely not the average run-of-the-mill, like, sit back and wait till the 14th of November kind of guy. Mm
1: -hmm. Yep.
0: You can kill a deer any day of the week, any time of the year, any time of day. Mm -hmm. You just got to put your mindset to it, right?
3: Mm -hmm.
0: Well, I was looking at the forecast. And it looks to me like it's going to be kind of warm in the evening, but cool in the morning. And we're supposed to get an east wind. And east winds in October have traditionally been really good for me for some reason. Matter Mm -hmm. of fact, the two biggest deer I've taken with our November deer were east wind October deer. And they Mm -hmm. were in the morning, believe it or not. So... You know, we get into such a, I don't know. I think the more we learn and the more we listen to on social media and outdoor TV, oh, everybody gets spooked about hunting mornings in October and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And like, there's so much um, um, cookie cutter stuff that just, uh, just people take as gospel and they don't yeah. try weird and different. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I'm looking at this scenario. We're getting ready to have for Sunday and I'm trying to set it up and I've been watching this little four acre woodlot and we call it the sleeper patch for a reason. We've never killed out of there, but we've never had the right conditions to do so. But I know for a fact that bucks summer in there, I've got tons and tons of video from uh, like phone scope video from Mm -hmm. long range watch and some trail cameras on the very edge corners of it. And the crop rotation around, it's just a flat square. If if you just look, it's like a postage stamp of timber. There's no creeks in it. It's like an old hog lot or something from years ago. It's just like a perfect square in the middle of Hmm. nowhere Hmm. and now it's ended by corn on three sides but on the east side it's double crop beans and the green real green Hmm. that's been food source green you
3: heard yeah yeah that's
1: a unique food source uh, this time uh, of year
0: and i've been seeing him there's been a couple bucks that i've been spying on when the wind's out of the west i'll set up top and watch that double crop being killed as it's been growing during the summer. Mm -hmm. And they've been coming out feeding in that shade line and it's tight and you gotta be careful with it. But I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna try something weird. So about a month ago, I went in there in the morning before work, like right at daybreak and I took off my boots and I walked in there in my soft feet, Mm -hmm. just to see if I could kick him out of his bed. And I did. <laughs> and <laughs> and he ran off south through all that standing corn. And it was going to be hotter than blazes that day.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And I knew he wasn't going to be back that day, that evening. So I hung a set that evening after work on one corner of it. And then my curiosity with the wind conditions for Sunday got to the best of me this afternoon. I'm like... I'm going to go do that again with the opposite end of the day. I'm going to see if I can boost his bed one more time, but in the evening.
3: Mm.
0: And I went in there with a different wind. Um, it was coming out of a different direction. <laughs> and I did it again. <laughs> <laughs> he jumped up and took off hauling the opposite direction. And I'm like, what am, I, <laughs> what am I getting myself into? But I had, I had a mobile, so I had a mobile, I had everything ready to go i had a mobile stand and some b sticks ready to roll and i i grabbed the two cameras that were there to grab the cards out of to see how they're using it And i have yet to go through these cards and i'm chomping at the bit looking getting ready to look at them but i hung this thing in the dark um he was out of there so it didn't matter but i left I went in there and stomped the heck out of it and i know exactly where he beds and the main trails that he might use to get to the east and the wind is going to be out of the east so i am literally going to try and get in there i hung the sand right on the very east edge of that property i know it sounds backwards but what i'm going to try and do is intercept him coming from his late morning like i'm talking early morning middle right, of the yeah. night feeding i'm literally gonna walk through his bedroom and climb into that stand like at three in the morning
3: mm. and i'm
0: gonna, mm. I'm gonna sit in there and wait on him i'm gonna come in from the west with the east wind walk through standing corn to get in there and and, and we're taking a risk here he might be bedded in there then he might not right. be, but yeah if i can cut him off and i can get in there early enough and intercept him coming back into those main trails I might smash him and the stand I've got hung is a sniper's nest right on the very edge of this walnut tree that I can shoot that entire double crop bean field with the cam, my camera arm on my strong side. And if I can cut him off in the morning and intercept him coming back into his, then I might smash him in the morning or Mm -hmm. at least get a sighting of him. And if I get a sighting of him, And he gets in there behind me with that east wind Then I'm going to be chancing it. But if I see him, I'm no kidding. I'm going to, I told, I told my wife, Colleen, like, Hey, I know this sounds weird, but I'm going to pack some food. And if I have to, I'll sit it all day. Mm -hmm. Like it's so tight in there that he's liable to come feed at any time on that side where he's mm-hmm. secure. And I might just try it. You never know yeah. what could happen. And like the only rule, like that's what I want the, the listeners to to remember. If any, if you don't learn anything from anything I say or, or write or whatever, the only rule of mature hunting, mature buck hunting is there are no rules
1: mm, like that. I like, like that a lot.
0: Stop, stop listening to everyone else's theories and you know, like it's all good. You know, you can you can mm-hmm. glean information from everyone else, but the only rule is there are no rules. Mm-hmm. Go, go try something weird and <laughs> and risk it. Um, you got to risk it for the biscuit, son. Like, That's let's right. go. That's right. That's right. And yep. and but what I'm what I'm doing here in this spot is it's what we call burner spots, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's not, once the crops come out, that spot is dead. Yep. The crops seclude that spot as an island and a security Island, Mm -hmm. and you can use that security cover to slip in quiet, slip in early, no big hurry. You're all set up. And now that my camera arm and everything is set up, all I got to do is hike up the tree get the bow on the hook, hook the camera up, sit down and you're ready to roll. Mm-hmm. And if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, you give it your dead level best and let's go on to October 2nd.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. I I was, uh, I was just on a podcast this morning on uh, Brown Brownfield ag news. Uh, a friend of mine, Brent Barnett runs their, their hunting show there. And uh, he asked me to come on and, and talk for uh, the Iowa opener. And, Uh, That's what we talked about. Was so many guys ride off October. In fact, I just heard a name that all three of us know, um, and I don't want to throw shade at this person or anything, but but uh, they were saying because they're a great hunter, but but they were saying the best way to hunt early season is don't hunt early season. Who said that? I I, I'll tell you after the show. Um,
0: Write it down and show me. (laughs) Like go to the camera and I'll I'll be like yep.
1: All right. All right. I'm going to do that. I'll do that right now. So everyone, everyone can, uh,
0: I know who you're going to say uh,
1: already. Let's see here. A pro. I'm, I'm, I'm sending it to you. If you have your phone on you, I'll send it to you right now through messenger. I'll just see your, see your reaction. Can't wait
2: to see his face. Yeah. I was supposed to say if the reaction will be good.
0: Well, well, you don't say. Well,
1: <laughs> And, and, well, uh, and they're dumb yep it's I... dumb, it's dumb. <laughs> yeah it, it, it's, it it's dumb yep. you can
0: kill a deer any day of the week, yep, look here, look here. deer season only lasts so many days, right
1: <clears throat> right yep
0: and you can only hunt during daylight hours legally right? yep yep. so there is a finite amount of time if you can kill a deer between October one and the end of season, correct?
1: yep Why
0: yep. not try it yep yep get out there you can't kill it from the
1: couch exactly exactly right
0: right. Stop buying into all the gaga that's out there Mm -hmm. go try something weird
1: yep i I love that i love that no that's exactly right and uh you know somebody who i think we both we both respect a lot um i remember andre dequisto was on wired to hunt probably man, maybe four years ago, something like that. And, um, he, he was the first person I really heard talk down about the rut. He said he, he, for some, I think it was like a really busy sales year for him. They had a new model of stand come out and he's like, he he was like, man, I've just been so busy this year. I haven't gotten to hunt October as much as I like. October is my favorite month to hunt. And he's like, so I'm going to be waiting for a present to be delivered to me in November. And that was, those were some powerful words. He, you know, it's like for him, it was, you know, and again, this is the first Gen Hunter podcast. So, you know, I didn't start hunting until I was in my mid twenties and As I was learning it, I I quickly, you know, became aware after listening to hundreds of hours of hunting pot deer hunting podcasts, oh, the rut is a very special time, you know. Uh once I get this gun hunting thing figured out and then I'm able to start bow hunting, I can't wait till I can hunt the rut because that's really when when it's supposed to happen. And then when I started hunting it, it's like, this is so random. You know, I I I was able to, you know, track deer on cameras. I was able to to see him with my own eyes in October. And it was predictable. I knew where they were going to be. And then come November, it's like, shoot, there could be nothing on this farm at all today, you know? Right. And, and, um, I, I quickly began to realize that to not hunt October, would be the biggest loss in, in the deer season. And if you really know where there's a giant, which I, I love how you did that. I think that, you know, and, and there's some good conventional wisdom here as far as try to get your stands up at least a month before you're going to be hunting. I get all that. However, there's some value too when you get in there late because we all have other things going on in our lives, you know. Um, and you you bounce a buck out of his out of his bed, and what that's better than any trail camera footage right there. You saw where he was he was bedded. You saw how close that is to the tree you're wanting to use you 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 see what food sources are in there you can see a browse line if he's if he's browsing around in there if there's scrapes close by you know he's probably using those i mean that kind of information is is so critical and one and i also love cuz i really don't hear people make this point often enough when the crops come down in in places like especially you know the midwest states not so much where Alex is up in Michigan because they still have a lot of habitat up there, a lot of woodland habitat. But in Iowa yeah. and Illinois or even Indiana, uh, when those crops come down, you just lost a huge part of your habitat. And you could have a farm go from being, you know, like my 240 that I live on here, you know, when the, when the corn is up, we probably have 25 to 30 deer. When the corn comes down, we have five maybe, you know. Yeah. And – And yeah, it's, it's a huge, it's a huge drop. So if I don't hunt while that corn's up, man, what a limit to my opportunity. And that, that that comes through and, and there's so many cool things you can do in October, you know, go stand in the edge of a standing cornfield, right where they, you know, on a, on an edge and watches those deer walk right out in front of you and turn around and they're freaked out of their mind because they had no idea you were there. You know, you do all sorts of, all sorts of cool stuff like that. So. I agree with you 100%, Clint. Um, do something weird. The, the best rule is there are no rules. I think that's that's very well said. Well, we're already getting like a, a taste of it. But one of the things, so I think uh, I've been following you on Facebook for maybe a year and a half. Uh, I saw a bunch of, so I, I came from Illinois. Uh, that's where I grew up. I grew up in the Quad City area. So a lot of my friends are mutual friends of yours on uh facebook and uh i saw they were you know sharing your posts and liking your posts I was like i need to i need to start following this guy and i quickly realized that you have a very unique approach and it it, it is wrapped up in what you just said the the, the one rule is there are no rules mm-hmm. could you kind of i mean it we can't like just obviously walk through every tactic you use but maybe just like addressing certain aspects of whitetail hunting like aggression um scouting techniques um uh you know adjustments for different phases of the season like can you just kind of describe how you like to approach you know a deer season
0: uh, yeah so um if i had to summarize that question that's a deep question yeah oh but- yeah I had to summarize that question, um, it, it 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 doesn't go season to season for mm. me. I am a target buck shooter. Like, um, it, I'll just give you some history. Twenty twelve was my worst deer season I ever had, even from when I was a child. Mm. Mm. We had a, we had an EHD outbreak. It was
1: a super dry and, year.
0: Uh, yes and uh i did not adjust i was on a great big one and i was just now learning how to to target mature deer and i didn't fill a single buck tag that year and it's the Mm. only year in my whole career if you want to call it that that sounds weird to call it a career
3: i don't know but <laughs> in
1: your legacy in got your, your saga got your card. <laughs> i stack card.
0: <laughs> it's, but it's the only it i, I don't i don't keep score mm-hmm. but 2012 was the only year in my whole hunting life that i did not tag a buck mm. um because i i put in um my summer work was kind of i didn't do the best that i could um, and I tar, I solely focused on one buck and not multiple. Mm-hmm. And you know what happened to that one buck?
1: Oh no. You get hit by a car.
0: <laughs> no, no. And I'm not mad about it. A 13 year old kid masked him with shotgun. <laughs> yep,
1: and, yep.
0: And and I gave him all kinds of trail camera photos of him. I went and shook his hand and said, good job, kid.
3: Yeah. Like,
0: That's good. That's yeah, good. It's like You don't take it personal, like, but I, I didn't have a plan B. I didn't have a backup buck. So, after twenty twelve went through, I was like, all right, it's time to switch up your mindset and your modality. And then I just ramped it up. I went crazy. I went haywire. Mm -hmm. And instead of just starting uh, my deer season in the summer, I started making it a year-round affair, starting right after the season closes, and if I had to go through, my, if I could give you a nutshell, like uh, cliff notes version of it, as soon as your season ends and it's the winter time, don't start shed hunting immediately. Total waste of time. Hmm. Get in, get all your stands pulled, adjust the ones that are good,
3: mm-hmm.
0: but then you every day, every moment that you have free you set foot on ground and pound the tar out of that ground and put onyx pins in everything that looks good scrapes rubs um potential trail camera sites for next season and mm-hmm. in that way you'll have a catalog of clear-cut winter data that you can see plain as day mm-hmm. there's no foliage right and you yeah. can kind of have a pre-map for next season and then, you know, we get through that like January through first of March time period, and then your mind switch can go to shed hunting. For mm-hmm. me, I don't mm-hmm. care. I like that doesn't bother like hunting sheds. You're, break, mean, you're breaking like, me up
1: my heart, Clint. I oh, love I love, I love finding sheds. Love it, <laughs> that's <laughs> like Ken's favorite thing. It's so good. <laughs> it's,
0: it's a, well like let's talk about it. It what do you learn from it?
1: Yeah, that that's a good question. Um for me like i understand that that the the knowledge gained from shed hunting like there is some i mean there i mean here's evidence this buck was here right uh and and you see like you know scrapes in the area rubs in the area you can okay. uh, you can identify you know food sources and and hot trails and stuff like that but i like shed hunting just because i like being close to deer that's i mean so like i don't go out there fooling myself that this is this is primarily a scouting mission when i go out there i go out shedding just because i like shed hunting mainly that's that's number one but we're you know we're doing the same thing we got spartan forge open we're dropping pins we're we're uh identifying scrapes rub lines you know bedding areas and
0: now let me interject there mm mm-hmm when when i find that i'm trying to look for sheds but then look for sign i'm looking for two separate things and i am le- i am less successful at either task mm-hmm. so when i'm sh- when i'm scouting i literally will put earplugs in and focus on my sign and my pins and my mapping and so forth and if i happen to find a the shed then fine big whoop. but then mm-hmm. march and my my winter scouting is done then i put in my headphones and listen to some tunes and i'll go out and i'm looking straight at the ground looking for antlers.
1: sure and yep.
0: I, if i find if i try to mix the two together i'm less effective at either one if that makes yeah. any sense no
1: that, that makes a lot of sense yeah but,
0: but you're not wrong like the the when you find a match set of really good antlers to a buck that you, that you would like to take next season mm-hmm. and you call it a holdover you're right you've got proof of life that you made it through the season so right, there's, yep. there's, there's nothing wrong with that but i find if i try to intermingle the two things i'm not as effective at one or the other
3: yeah um, that's fair
0: so I, have fo- I have to focus my mind is like a squirrel in a cage and if mm-hmm. I don't comp a squirrel, then I'm just all over the place. That's why I put. <laughs> that's why I put. It. Seriously, that's why I put yep. earbuds, headphones in. It takes one sensory aspect of your human body away mm. that I can just focus with my eyes and my mind. And, and I think that's a good set. But so once shed season goes away, and once scouting season goes away, and then we're into summer scouting. Um that's when I really ratchet up the pressure. I typically turkey hunt in the spring because mm-hmm. there's nothing else to do kill the hell out of turkeys here. <laughs> like, I, like, I like to smash turkeys a yeah. lot. Uh, yep. So, but during turkey season, there's something a man can learn about deer. Um, and people don't realize this having a bad turkey hunt. If you're a whitetail hunter during April and early May, one of the things that whitetails are doing is molting their hair coat
3: mm-hmm. and
0: so think you know where some deer are bedded, whether it's a doe bedding area or maybe a buck bed, you can seriously find beds that are full of that uh, yeah. hard winter hair that you can literally pick it up in full. And so you can kind of do both then. Um, so then we roll into June. June kind of sucks because crops are coming up and there's really not much going on, but come July 4th, that's when we turn it on and i like to try and map out what crops are going to be in my area i'm going to put in some cameras july 4th is my go-to date Mm. um i always take off july 3rd and 4th like i'll take vacation if i have to Mm -hmm. um and i will take every single trail camera that i've got revisit some of those winter pens and flood it and Mm. on the fourth of this year i put in I started at daybreak and I put in 25 cameras over about six different properties. And I was like, it was over. It was a long day, but I just let him soak, let him sit and just don't pressure it. But then I back out and then I start long range observing. And you talked about season to season. It's not, for me, it's not about that. It's buck to buck. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm going to start, if I'm going to try and target another mature deer, I want to know, them. I want, and I've heard people say this all the time and some very big experts, and we can share another message later, <laughs> uh, they, they say that, um, oh, this summer scouting is nothing but eye candy. Mm. Um, no bull, that's, that's not true. Um, mm. you're fooling. Yourself. Um, some of the best intel I've ever got on some of the mature bucks that I've killed, I've gleaned from july and august and mm. their patterns mm-hmm. and their, it's their patterns it's the and i wrote an article in north american whitetail about it called profiling um you, you've seen these you know true crime videos or or, or shows on television about how fbi profilers will find a criminal and they're trying to break him down and find his habits and his desires and what makes him tick, right?
3: Yep, yep. In
0: my opinion, every mature buck is an individual. He does not follow the same set of rules.
3: Mm. He might
0: have similar tendencies, but each one is quite different or has it can be different. Um some might be fighters, some might be very nonchalant some might be very aggressive some might be very passive some might be really really smart um and very educated some might be dumber than a brick bat and Mm -hmm. some might walk around with um, what i call tail bucks like you ever play poker right Mm -hmm. like a tail like a tail a tail hand Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes a buck will walk around with a younger buck i call a tail buck And if that young tail buck is around, you know, he's probably there because they're buddies. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just learning what you can learn about an individual buck's personality to find some sort of weakness in his armor and then strike. And Mm, it may not. That's a good point. It's all very individualized. And when you can break them down like that, you can kill every year, like a target buck every year. Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of how I approach it. I, I do every night from you know about the seventh of July all the way up to the end of August. The wife knows I'm not coming in till dark. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a spotting scope, and tripod, and a, a I like a phone scope where I can get mm-hmm. scope them from range, and a ghillie suit, and I'll go in and sit in the heat, and it sucks. Yeah, but I'm yeah. I'm. I'm I'm watching those shade lines uh-huh. um, and, and, you know, taking some images of them and, and getting that data, getting that uh, profile. And then once we put them together, by the end of the summer, by the end of the summer, my goal is to have about 12 shooters that I know that, okay, they exist um, and, and I can chase them. And then by, you know, opening day, we'll typically whittle that down to, okay, who's shifted out, who hasn't. And mm-hmm. we'll have a half a dozen or more that we can, you know, have as target bucks and, and having a, a, a portfolio of several different bucks can help you shift on the fly. When plan A isn't working for this big buck, you can just say, all right, scrap it. Let's go try this guy yeah. or that guy. And, and that really helps diversify your season. And it, and, you have to be careful with this modality though because it can run you ragged mm-hmm. and you can yourself way too damn thin
3: mm-hmm. um
0: and that's that's how i approach things in a nutshell i know that's long-winded but no
1: that's exactly what yeah. i wanted i mean i think i think it, it just it fleshed out what you said earlier going back to kind of the key phrase of this episode is the number one rule there are no rules and and i almost after after you had explained what you meant by that, I kind of predicted where you're going to go with that when you're saying like, I don't have a season to season plan. I have a buck to buck plan basically. Yeah. And if I
0: had yeah, if I had one rule, like one hard and fast rule, even though I said there are no rules,
1: mm-hmm.
0: the the one rule that I tell some of the young kids that I try and teach and mentor, uh, even not young kids but kid guys my age getting back into it mm-hmm. is. Every hunt needs to have a purpose.
3: Mm-hmm. Hunt,
0: with, hunt with purpose, period. Yeah. Like, don't That's just go an out and sit and hope.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Uh, somebody, I don't know if you know him, he's in Illinois as well. He's he's done quite a bit of stuff with a uh, working class bow hunter, um, <clears throat> Cole Young. Uh, he He's just, I mean, he's a guy who is great about targeting. <laughs> one or two bucks every season and then going and getting it done. Uh now he's got four young kids right now so I think he's been pretty busy these last few seasons but but um uh he loves to use October for um observation sits. He's a big observation. Yeah. He hangs stands yeah. knowing that I'll never shoot a buck from the stand, but if I can get eyes on that buck then that was tonight's purpose. Yeah. Tonight's purpose yeah. was to see him and then maybe tomorrow night or the next night we have similar conditions similar wind or whatever um he's going to be where he saw him and then he's going to get it done and he does and so i I, that fits right in with what what cole preaches on on that end having that purpose for for why you're you know it's a surgical process at that point yeah so you have to be very analytical
0: when it comes to this process if you want to target mature bucks every year i mean i, I tell I, I have a young neighbor boy of mine that um grew up as a trapper and mm. wanted to get into he's uh he's a son of the, one of my best friends from high school That's and, cool. and um you know the lad wanted to learn how to bow hunt and i taught him and His second year, he killed one of my target bucks right out from underneath me. I'm like, "Damn it, kid! I love you." That's how it works. But all right, good job. You're on your own now. (laughs) Um, It was was a monster, monster eight pointer, and uh, we called him the Iron Nine because he had a little ninth point. Okay, yeah. He was a fighter, and the kid, he jumped up in the stand in on a wrong wind, and grunted to him. And the rascal came right up in there and shot him at nine steps. And <laughs> oh, that's him. awesome. And he, he, he calls me from the stand. I wasn't even hunting that day because it was windy and spitting rain. I'm like, no, oh, I'm on vacation. I'm good. Yeah. And he calls me and he's like, oh, you can hear him breathing. He's, like, yeah. he's like, Clint, I just shot him. I'm like, you just shot that nine-pointer, didn't you? He's like, yeah. I just dropped him. Well yeah, you need to drop them. Like, yeah, watch him fall. <laughs> <laughs> Go to plan B. That's so good. But, you know, dude, for, for a fourteen year old kid, it was a monster. I mean, he probably scored just shy of one fifty. Wow. Um, Eight points. Like, that's great.
1: Yeah. Real.
0: Nine, you know, big, big frame deer. He's oh, such a great buck. And he mm. was a five. He's a five year old. And mm-hmm. I'm like I was stoked about that. I wasn't mad at him. Yeah. Um, I should I should have been sitting in that tree. Yeah, is what I <laughs> Yeah. But but just be able again. He, one thing I, I feel like, and it's an article that I'm going to write. Um, mm-hmm. And I've already got the concept fleshed out. Is learn to hunt like a kid again, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when when my boy shot that big two hundred five, he. He jumped into a stand that we thought was jump on that farm, and he was just going to try it. Mm-hmm. We knew news buck was in there from that summer, and I was on the south end of that place. i have been hunting all day from daybreak, and he calls me from the set, and he's like, hey, do you care if I jump in on that north set? I'm like, yeah, go ahead. You won't see him, but... Mm-hmm. And he did. The wind was wrong. Sees him coming down the trail, grunts to him. He comes walking right over there to him, shoots him in the tin ring, Spins around behind the stand and stops bleeding. The kid knocks another arrow and sends it right through the boiler house. Shooting oh, twice.
1: Oh, man. And, so and it's, good. It's, it
0: sounds like a BS story, but he's describing this hunt to me while I'm in there and been sitting all day. And I'm like, wait a minute. You mean to tell me you grunted at the biggest deer of all time? Like the biggest one we've ever chased in, in our life. Yeah. My, my only chance at a two hundo. he he, he comes walking to 18 steps you shoot him once he spins around behind the tree and you shoot him again he's like yeah that's how it went down and he was shooting those (laughs) he was shooting those he was shooting those those little four blades uh uh the trocars
1: were they the muzzy trocars Uh, no it's those
0: a slick tricks four blades
1: with those lux blades
0: right Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. but i had confidence in the kid he shot the wheels off of that bow the first year i got it for him i had replaced the strings and wow I, I had enough confidence in him to go ahead and put him in a hot seat but i didn't figure it would go down like that but like every piece of conventional white tail wisdom that us as seasoned veterans would have thrown at that deer he just threw it yeah, out the window he did the opposite. And yeah, yeah and he did the opposite and guess what shot him twice yeah right and and, and and it's the only deer that we've ever scored and boone and crockett reached out to us and wanted to honor that buck in their um generation next display out at bass pro in springfield at the um, wow. wonders and wildlife museum so wow we took, we, we took him out there he was part of the display they had uh you know they honored him in a ceremony and that buck hung not but you know, 300 feet away from the Hall of Bucks, the, you know, where, where all the famous deer are. Mm. And that was so gratifying to me on a, um, kind of a stepdad standpoint, you -hmm. know, like it's, it's the best achievement that I'm ever going to have in my hunting career. Mm. And it's it's not even my deer, you know, yeah, and and I'm very proud of that and it's homegrown like it's right around home here and it, it was a do-it-yourself deer. we worked on him and got him and it's the only one we've ever ever put a tape to because i knew he'd get close to that 200 mark but yeah. i'm still looking for mine like i that's always been a goal of mine to try and get get to the 200 range. but
3: mm-hmm.
0: i never score mine i don't care about all that crap but yeah you know yeah i'm glad for the boy it'll be a memory that he carries You know now he's 20
3: yeah
0: and and he'll have that the rest of his life now after that he started smashing three-year-olds like it was nobody's business (laughs) (laughs) well he doesn't have to worry about the scoring anymore (laughs) and and what's funny is like he uh i'll get to talking a little bit of smack right like yep got me another target buck boy another booner he'll be like yeah is it 200 (laughs) <laughs> nope. you yeah, can talk smack back <laughs> yeah that's right it's yeah. a lot of fun but yeah, and again it goes back to that saying that the only rule is there are no rules mm-hmm. don't listen to everybody and when it comes down to this whole October thing let's talk about that real quick again um, the greatest buck ever killed with a bow typical Mel Johnson 1965 mm-hmm. recurve it was October 29th, 28th, somewhere around there, sitting on the edge of a bean field hmm. with an 85-pound pole recurve and some Zwickies and some red flannel plaid. And he just yep. flipped one, set the world record, yep. and it ain't been broke since. Yep. Do yeah. something weird.
1: I think they have – it might be a replica of that buck, or they had it in the – east peoria bass pro didn't they no it's the real one is, that's the real one okay yes sir yeah i've seen that yeah from, that's just an incredible animal
0: from what i understand that is the real one wow and and his his 60th mel's 60th anniversary is coming up in two years and i don't know if this will come to fruition but I've always had this strange connection with, because I'm an Illinois guy, and I've always mm-hmm. been chasing that mighty 204 range, right? hmm And that's, that's quite a number for an archery typical. Like, it's ridiculous, oh, yeah. right? And the reason why it hasn't been broken is because it's like it's Lou Gehrig's 56-game hit streak. It's mm-hmm. impossible. Yeah. <laughs> yet, right? Yeah, that, that's the truth. Yeah, right. Yep. Yep. Uh, especially with a Zwicky and an 85 pound recurve. <laughs> like, try And red, <laughs> red plaid. Try it off the ground. <laughs> try it. Yep. Try it. I dare you. Yeah. Um, and it'll never, like, something like that, in my opinion, will never be topped. And it hasn't been for almost 60 years. So, in two years, is the anniversary of that bot being a 60 year record for archery mm. typical. Uh, I talked to the fellows at the magazine. I'm like, hey, guys, um, I got a project and I hope it comes to fruition. It may not, Mm -hmm. but I the only famous buck that's never been on the cover of North American Whitetail is Mel's Buck. Uh, um, every other one of them has been, uh, James Jordan, Hole in the Horn. Uh, mm. Missouri Monarch, um, Milo Hansen's, um, y- you know, up into mm. the new age kids, um, y- you know, like uh, uh, Luke Brewster and mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah, Dustin, uh, Dustin Huff, yeah. D- Dustin Huff, like everybody's on there. And Mel's not because it happened in 1965 before mm-hmm. there was even such a thing as North American white tail. So, if there's one thing I'd like to do, I'm a I'm a when I write, I'm a how-to writer typically.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And you know, I I would like to write a big buck story one day. And mm-hmm. I told you guys, hey, if it comes to pass and it doesn't get beat in two years let's try and make this happen let's get him on the cover Mm -hmm. let's let's try and make let's try and honor that i love that and if it happens it happens if it don't it don't but at least i've got the idea out there Mm -hmm. and and, uh you know much respect and you know when that happened october
1: that's right after
0: october And you can do anything in October. Like it's October. And here's why you can do it. I just wrote an article about this. They gave me the feature cover uh, for the article. That's awesome, man. That's that's an honor. Yeah, yeah, it sure is. I'm really, really proud of that. Um, So I just, my last article that I wrote for North American Whitetail was, it had to do with testosterone. I call it testosterone toxicity, Hmm. meaning how deer hormones work with the shortening of day length and you know there's tons of studies out there that show that there is no such thing as the October lull Mm -hmm. and the October lull was a myth perpetuated by food plot hunters that hunt on TV and they were very, very popular in the late '90s, early 2000s, and they're still very, very popular to this day. Not mentioning names, mm-hmm.
1: you, don't have every- to, you don't have to text me those names. I know who you're talking <laughs> about. <laughs> For sure,
0: but everybody took it as gospel. Yep, and it ain't true. Mm-hmm. It's there's no science to back that October Law theory. Matter of fact, it's total BS. Mm. If you look at the science, and I have spoke with uh researchers at um like Bronx, dr bronson strickland <laughs> yeah um out, out, of, out of mississippi state um mm-hmm. and and you know they pull blood on these animals and they they understand how hormone reaction works deer are short day breeders meaning as day length drops testosterone and estrogen rise mm-hmm. and this is like sheep and goats they're the same way so you, we all do it as human beings uh, we all go boy the days are getting shorter don't we mm-hmm. you know you can see yeah. it well, days are getting short well guess what when you start saying that a white tail's pineal gland that's in their brain is starting mm-hmm. and it's sending signals to the hypothalamus and that hypothalamus is sending signals down to their gonads aka mm-hmm. their testicles and mm-hmm. their testosterone. get your
2: testy up yeah
0: yeah, and and that testosterone rises. So you know, like like uh, like Andre, for example, was saying, yeah. like, man, I love in October. That's the reason why they're vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And and so my favorite time to go from aggressive to like spastic hyper aggressive is from like October twenty fifth to the seventh of November, mm-hmm. because. the The rut has not kicked up to that estrogen level where does are cycling and everything is helter skelter Mm -hmm. and it's so random that you just can't pinpoint a buck. But man, during that last week of October and the first week of November, that's the time where if you've got one that you think you know where he beds and you can get in between him and proximity to doe bedding he's liable to get up start walking around with his head up cuz he's all geeked out on that testosterone. That's <laughs> right. And, and testosterone if you look at it like and that's what I wrote this article about, it makes you do dumb things as mm-hmm. a male. Like think about it. Yeah, it does. <laughs> like we're uh, dying for
3: those literally.
0: We, we've all been there. We've all been teenagers, right? Yeah. We've all been teenagers and and look at um look at professional wrestlers and look at um Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, yeah. um all when, when when their testosterone is up, their body gets thick. It's an anabolic steroid, right? Mm-hmm. And you've seen those big bucks in late October. Yeah. They're it's... as thick and mean as they're ever gonna be. Yep. And they're but they're vulnerable then because they like to take chances. That mm-hmm. testosterone makes them feel like they can walk through a brick wall. Mm-hmm. And so then their their guard is down and they're more apt to be daylight active, and then you can go in there and smash.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So that's why I like hunting October. Yeah. And, uh, and and like you guys said earlier, when you get into that, you know, the rut standpoint, everyone likes to hunt the rut because you see all kinds of deer. Right. They're running all they're running all over and it's fun. Yeah. You see yeah. a lot of deer yeah. and a lot of spastic activity, but your target buck might be three miles away, getting shot by a 13-year-old kid. <laughs> True story.
2: True story. Yep. It's happened.
0: It's happened. Yeah. Yeah, so that's why I like October, even though I don't get as many October dates as I like to. And, and to, your, to your point, Kent, I do like those October observation sets. And I just put in, um, before I went to that, spastic hanging hunt deal that i just did yeah right right before that i've got this one little spot it's a ground hide that i can use that i can slip into through a creek basin and climb up a hillside and i can observe an entire flat farm Mm. that's that's been shelled and they just shelled it um two days ago so i'm like okay i gotta get my hide built so i can get in there and observe and mm-hmm. i've got a buck in there that we call the heartbreak kid like mm-hmm. after shot after shot well i'm a wrestling fan all right hey that's good like like <laughs> I've, got, I've, got, I've got an undertaker like sweatshirt on like so we call <laughs> <him>. <laughs> we, we, but we call him the heartbreak kid because this deer is so big and he butts up against so many property lines and there's so many people that know about him that when somebody cracks him everybody's going to get their heart broke yeah and, and, and i've been working on him for two years and he skirted me twice last year and we've got some of his sheds and he's such a roman that it's so hard to get a hold of him mm. two nights ago right after they shelled that i got photos of him coming out to that field wow. like off, off my only cell cam that i got i'm like okay got to get my hide built got to get there and spy on him. So I'm going to give this like hang and bang spot a try Sunday, but through the week, once I get off of work, I'm going to go into my hide and spy Mm -hmm. and just try and make a plan for the next cold front. See if I can't get some Intel on him and then probably do another hang and bang on him and just see what we can do. But it's always about staying busy, stay mobile, stay in, in the game.
1: Yeah yeah I love that and it's a good plan and getting to those vantage points and and just laying eyes on them is so much more valuable than than any other form of scouting i've found and uh um you know cameras are great uh, if used properly that's an ongoing pick and bones discussion on here uh i think yeah, yeah you know there was a there's a uh a, a post i saw from from uh a list white tail guy and he's super smart he kills giants all the time however he was using a camera in a way uh where you could just see the buck was looking right at the camera as it was taking his picture and that's pressure you know what kind of pressure i imagine it depends on the individual buck but it's it's pressure nonetheless and um, i've had seasons where i've basically gone to almost zero cameras And the deer were different. It it was, and I, and I'm not someone who's in there checking them all the time. You know, I, I was always good, good about that, but it was, there was a different level of pressure in the woods. They were much less pressured. I could just feel it when I was hunting. And, uh, so, you know, I think getting your eyes on them, is just such a great, such a great way to do that. And there, you know, I think bucks uh, so here's another great illinois white tail guy that nobody's ever heard of Garrett fike, unless they've listened to this podcast. He's been on here a lot of times um he told a story about a buck that he shoulder punched his target buck he shoulder punched one year and he thought he you know went off and and you know succumbed to his wounds somewhere uh because he had cameras everywhere never got got any sight of him well then. During, uh, you know, uh, that shed season time of year, he found, uh, one of his sheds and he's like, Whoa, he, he's still around. And that shed was like really like he had to walk very close to where his cameras were and, uh, he ended up killing him the next year and he just realized like this buck skirted his cameras. He knew where his cameras were and for, you know, a year, basically, you know changed his path to go around that pressure
0: good point Kent like I was hunting one last year a year before in the same spot where I just did this weirdo hanging spot um, that was really cagey Mm -hmm. I got on him in the summer and I just smashed the place with some cameras and I was very like nonchalant about how I put him out over bean fields in the shade lines mm-hmm. and i went in and checked him i noticed him coming out to the bean field super late distance for me to my spotting scope
3: mm-hmm. and
0: he was one of these rascals that lets everything come out to the field and then he stopped at the edge and he's eyeballing everything until it gets pitch black i'm like this dude knows what's going on here mm-hmm. something ain't right with him he's got a level of higher thought capacity so that weekend I went in and got camera cards, got him back to the house, checked them about midday and every single camera he would walk by. He was eyeballing like hardcore, Whoa. especially the ones on video. I, I run a lot of my cameras on video just to get their behavioral movements. Mm-hmm. And he would catch them and start backpedaling. Like you could tell it wow. was spooking him. and I'm like, oh, okay
1: yep those gotta come down
0: i I literally dropped everything and went in and ripped them
1: Mm -hmm. i didn't
0: want i did not want to go back in there and pressure it again i'm like they're they're scaring him every time he sees them but i left a couple of them in there on purpose like some of those old brownings that i've got that are all faded out and white i left them in there on purpose like so i use him like a pick like if he sees him he's gonna (laughs) pick and roll (laughs) and i almost got him like he came through one evening this was october hunt um, Uh and it was in the sleeper patch where i'm at right now he came out and walked way around an edge camera and he was eyeballing it the whole time but it got so dark that i couldn't see oh, shooting yeah, and I, yeah. I, I, got, I got i got so close to mashing That's and cool. then i'm like i'm like okay now i'm stuck and i'm late for a family birthday party my nephew's <laughs> birthday was that night and i'm like oh, oh, no. I, gotta I gotta get out this tree. <laughs> yeah, and i didn't want to because i knew i was going to boost him yeah and i, I texted my wife i'm like hey uh i got a problem and she said you gotta get here yeah so I got down as quiet as I could, and I started slipping out. I left all my gear in the tree. And I was going to go back and get it midday the next day. Oh. And as soon as my boots touched the ground, and I made some crunches and some bean stubble, I heard that rascal run out of there. And <laughs> I and, and this is no joke. I I never saw that buck ever again. Wow. Like he was caged. Mm-hmm. he i i got he he's he was just capable of i don't want to say reasoning but he just had that level of hyper awareness that some of them don't like if you look at uh my video on my youtube channel wild side mm-hmm. this dude was dumb as a bat. like he would walk by cameras just like yeah <laughs> like not licking them but none of it bothered him right and no matter how hard i hunted him it just didn't seem like any of it fazed him yeah and you know he just felt like he was very secure in where he was and it was his individual personality and i wound up getting a shot at him at nine yards and smacking but again it goes back to the same with mature bucks the only rule is there is no rule.
3: Yeah. Um.
0: But you can profile those ones that have that cagey personality. Boy, you better be careful. Yeah. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. Be that careful. is that is such a great story, and and one that that really adds to that ongoing discussion on on camera use. You know, I think so many people think that it's just. And honestly, here in in. Our part of the Midwest, where trees are a commodity, you know. I made a post recently on Instagram about how uh, um, sometimes the best tree just isn't. <laughs> it's not. It's not good. You know what I mean. But it's the best yeah. tree because that's all you got. You know. I have. I hung two stands in mulberry trees this year, um, oh, and I hate doing that. those things are so. They're oh. so. All you can't even. I couldn't even keep all my sticks together. You know, I like using the the click together sticks, and I had to I had to break up my sections. You know, just because yeah they're going they're going everywhere, and and it's uncomfortable. You know, you're sitting at an angle, but because it's because it's the right tree, you got to be in it. You know, where you if, gotta that's, be, man. If, if that's if that's where, where you got to be moving. And so my point is with a stand that's a little bit different cuz you're up high enough and if you're choosing it if what should be on everybody's uh thought process when they're choosing the the right tree is how much cover do you have when you're in the tree you're going to be you're probably going to be okay but with cameras people can fall prey to the same thing oh this is this is the only option I have you know yeah. Yeah. and mm, yeah, that's that's too dangerous i think you, to be willy-nilly like that and and adding that pressure and the one that really surprises me is the the food plot placement you know where they just put them on a steak out in the food plot it's like man i just can't. such a waste i, it's, yeah. it's I mean don't you waste. expect them to be there anyways i mean that's why that's why, why you put you <laughs> yeah so dumb <laughs> yeah well that was that was the that was the picture i saw that was it's the picture so, i saw where the buck's looking right at the camera and it's like yeah, that's not good
0: like you see these guys that are again they're some of the a-listers in the mm-hmm. industry yeah they will have these like hotel style tower blinds oh and, yeah and they'll have a, a digital like Cellular camera on every corner of the post over a, a, yeah. a, a immaculate, well manicured uh, food plot, and they'll be like, This is hunting hard. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not. It's waiting. It's <laughs> <That's laughs> not. That's just waiting. No, seriously. You're going out there with your cooler yep. and your iPad. And you're waiting. That's not hunting hard. Like, I yep. get it. You bought your ground and you got a tracker and you can plant some sweet food plots and manicure it to where, yep. you know, you can kill big deer on it fine. But is that hunting? No, it's waiting. Right. You know, right. Dude, but it's why would you pressure it with cameras? It I know no it.
1: Sin. I know it. It makes no sense. Yeah, I, I, uh, I totally agree there. And this would be a good, this would be another good pick and bones to do with you sometime, Clint. Um, uh, I don't
0: want to get in trouble. No, no, I know
1: this, this would be a good, the, 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 the idea of, and we gotta, we gotta wrap this one up. It's getting late, but especially sure. for Alex, they're up in Michigan. But, um, this idea of where, uh, so I like to say where comfort and good hunting intersect is not mm. frequent um i oh. i think i think when you're when you're out there to be comfortable those are all anchors those comforts are anchors to your success and yeah. and uh, ho- like the, the, they they hold people back and i mean now again there's no rules right and if that's what you're after is is uh uh you know comfortable good time being you know basically you're doing a nature watch and if you happen to get something then that's what you're there for great more power to you but if you're really after like getting a uh mature animal you got to leave that stuff behind and in some cases i see guys do it so hard they go try and go so comfortable they don't even get a shot at like a doe you know or a or a little forky Uh or something you know just because their comforts are are just so, they detract from the hunt so much that it just can't, it can't come together. And so if you want to be comfortable, are you, are
2: you, are you judging my buddy heater and my air conditioner to my blind
1: and my floor? <laughs> that window unit no, that Alex. you have an extension cord? And, yeah. yeah. Yes, you, I am. Alex.
0: <laughs> Alex, do you really have an air conditioner?
2: No. i am just, I'm just okay. dying. you know, he's talking about it and I'm dying. Cause i am dying because I've I've gone and looked at properties to buy, and I I see these huge blinds on these properties, and I walk in them, and they got carpets, they got a wood burning stove. Oh my! All genius. their windows are like like <laughs> legit windows, like they bought them from Pella, you know, down the yep, street from yep, you. Yeah. And uh, it is it is so funny to me because i'm like do people really hunt these things like oh, i'm like i'm used oh, to a tree stand yeah. or something else and these guys well you might as well just put an air conditioner and you got a fridge and i mean you yeah. don't even have to ever freaking
0: leave your hey, blind. if you want to hunt like that you might as well take up duck hunting because you've been in a duck blind before oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, in, in a oh du- yeah in a big duck blind my brother's a big duck hunter and i went with him a couple times and like they got like TVs, couches, oh satellites. My goodness. Like oh. they're cooking breakfast. Oh, here they come. Oh, you know, like, <laughs> that's so good. If you that's hunt, so like, good. You duck hunt or golf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, get it. Oh, that's like, so good. Hunting is not a one size fits all deal, right? And that's I'm not right. picking on one that wants to be out there and hunt like that. Mm-hmm. Don't get it. And and I'm and I'm certainly not saying, oh, my style is, is the best way to do it. And yeah, on, that's
3: right. And right, on, right.
0: You know, it, if it gets you out there and you enjoy it, then fine.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: But but there's a certain level of work that it takes to do it year in, year out. And sitting in a sterile box blind for me is not it. Yeah, Sorry.
1: Same. Yeah, yep. I agree. So
0: boring boring no
1: thanks yep Yep.
2: i just Uh, like a tree stand i like to feel the weather i like to feel the snow when it's coming down like it's just something about it i actually feel like i'm in nature the whole blind thing just kills me it just i don't know what it is but it just takes away from it for for me
0: sensory deprivation alex and and like where i live in southern illinois like we rarely get snow during deer season at all. And I know Alex up there in you guys' country, you guys start yeah. complaining about how much snow you get. Like, man, this sucks. Like we got two- <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, we, we we get quite a bit. I mean I'm I'm actually thinking because last year was so cold and it was horribly windy. I was trying to video the hunts and uh we were on some private land and I sat in a couple of those blinds and it was just it was crazy cold. But I was sitting there going like this is just not my jam, but I yeah. need to be able to video some stuff and I need to get away from the wind. So I'm sitting there and I'm like,
1: it was yeah, just wind, boring. Wind it was very boring. Change,
2: yeah. Oh yeah. yeah it was.
1: But, but, but it just awesome. takes away from the whole thing. I, yeah, just, I, hate really the feeling, I hate the feeling of not being able to see, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, I don't yeah. even like using ground blinds when I use a ground Shine. blind. It's because, um, the, the one time I do it is I, I take my dad and my son, Turkey hunting with me, um, uh, yeah. And, and my dad doesn't hunt he's just there to kind of observe. And, and my, my son, obviously the same deal. He's only six. And that is the one time I'll use a blind just because I hate that confinement that like you can't, you can't see. And man, there's so much you, you can use topography. You can use, uh, vegetation. Of course, you can have a ground blind without, without cutting a branch or, or stacking stacking something together you just get in there melt into the well when uh cole young shot his 195 uh on a second time hunting him i think the the first time he hunted him he almost shot him out of a uh uh honey locust that he jumped into when he saw where he was where he was uh no it was when he killed him he jumped into a honey locust because he saw where that buck was moving and he wanted to intercept. where he was at and uh shot it with a giant uh honey locust thorn sticking in his back and uh, uh you know just used what he had at the moment to be in the right spot to get it done and shot got a it done a lifetime yep
0: and that's that son is hunting right yep, there that's right like, that is that is chasing him down and killing him period that's right and, and i'm not that and, and look here like i know that people might look at me later on down the road if they to this podcast in two, or three years ago. Now, wait a minute. Now that he's hunting for North American whitetail TV, I just saw him shoot one out of a box blind in Missouri on an outfitter hunt. Well, right. Yeah. It, yeah. That's... I'm not, I'm not above it, but it's right. not, again, when well, I'm doing it myself, I want to be the master and commander of my own destiny. Mm-hmm. And, when i'm doing it for tv it's different and mm-hmm. and i'm again i'm not above it i'm not down on people that want to hunt like that but for me if i had my choice um full time all the time it's go right at them and run it right down the throat mm-hmm. right yeah
1: yeah
2: you got to make different decisions but if it's your call that's how you're hunting
0: 100
2: percent. yeah i get uh, it right. i'm right there with you
1: yep uh, yeah it all it all makes a ton of sense and um Man, this has been such a fun conversation. I don't think we've laughed this much in an episode, Alex. <laughs> this is you're you're an entertainer, Clint, and a great hunter. Oh uh, yeah, and and uh, you know, I need to have you back on because I have anytime, some questions. I would love to, man. I, I I had some questions that I wanted to like kind of get in on your uh, your veterinarian knowledge and just your knowledge of the anatomy of the animal and sure. and some some stuff on shot placement and. And um, in fact, one of my points that I had on there was the worst almost good shot, um, yeah. and and stuff like that. But we just we're just gonna have to hold off. Maybe we can do kind of a mid season check in sure. uh, this fall and talk about some of that stuff because I think there's gonna be uh, you know hopefully not any of us three, but there's probably gonna be some listeners uh, out there that have had some of those challenges. Come up at that point in the season. We just want to yeah. help them stay in the game and and keep their head in the game and and overcome some of those those upsetting moments that you know aren't as fun to talk about and aren't as fun yeah. to, to think back on. But uh, they are a part of it. You know, if yeah, you're...
0: And, and that's a, it's such a great point. Like it's not all highs, right? Mm-hmm. Like this white kettle thing. Like if you're chasing big deer, at some point in time, something's going to go south, and mm-hmm. yep. it's going to kick you in the gut and make you feel awful. Mm-hmm. And that can be either a strength or a weakness. And it can be a defining moment in your hunting yes. life of, is how you react to what, what went down. And you can either let it beat you down or you can learn from it. And, and I've had, like, I'll, I can post multiple videos of my own that things didn't go my way. Mm -hmm. and 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 we can chop up the anatomy and 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 i can talk to you you through what went wrong what i i did right what i did wrong what my equipment did right and wrong Mm -hmm. and 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 talk about uh uh, those sorts of things and how they mesh together
1: yeah yeah that would be fantastic and i think super useful especially to other first gen hunters out there it's when when you're in a learning process Mistakes are going to be made. And and we sh- hopefully all of us are still in a learning process of some of some degree because that's how we keep getting better. Um, Every day. That's right. Every day. That's right. And uh, so I think it would be super valuable. Um, just want to kind of have uh, maybe one. We, we need to wrap this up. It's such a great conversation. And, um, uh, you know, maybe if you had, like, just, uh, you know, the last – the the coach is, is talking the last three minutes before you go back out on the, the field or the court after halftime. And, um, you know, it, it, how how do you – with that kind of urgency, you know, how would you encourage everyone, you know, getting into this deer season or maybe even some of those people like Missouri or Wisconsin who have already been rolling for, you know, a couple weeks now, what would be your your word of encouragement?
0: If there was one piece of advice I could give, like the coach's advice, you're getting ready to go into the season and, and you want to pump somebody up. Mm-hmm. Have you ever watched Full Metal Jacket from uh, back in the, I think it was the early 80s, a Stanley Kubrick film yep, about yep, Vietnam? Yep. They had that hard drill, right? And they had that big scene where they, the Marines were in basic training and Private Joker started mouthing off to the sergeant and he says, oh, Private Joker, what are you here for? He says, I to kill, sir. He says, oh, so you're a killer. Yes, sir, I'm a killer. He says, oh, you're a killer then. Well, let me see your war face. Sir, a war face. Ah, that's a war face. Let me see your <laughs> war face. And Private Joker says, ah, like a real high pitch. <laughs> and he says, sir, that is, son, that is not a war face. Now let me see your real war face. And Private Joker screams bloody murder. And he says, you don't scare me. Work on it. Show me your war face. I love like, that. If that's i got going to pump you up and say, like, this is not a battle. But if you want to go into this whitetail season and pump yourself up, put your war face on and go. I love that. Do it Daily.
1: Yeah, I love that. That's great. I love that. Man, I, I'm i ready to go right now. I'm
2: jacked right now. Yeah,
1: that's right. October one, October one, <laughs> fellas, October one is Sunday coming.
0: <laughs> Tell me your war face. Let's do it.
1: That's right. That's right. I love it. What a great note to end on. Uh, so everyone get your war face on, get out there. Don't All be right. afraid to hunt October. Just hunt it the right way. Uh, hunt it smart, you know, hunt it how October should be hunted. Play the wind, you know, use that recent intel. And, uh, hunt each buck, how you believe he will be best hunted. And, um, that, that changes all throughout the season, of course, but don't throw away this month just because conventional wisdom says that it it can't be of any use to you and, uh, put your war face on, get out there and get her done. I want to thank Clint and Alex for joining me on this one. Such a great conversation. Of course, the podcast, the first gen hunter podcast is presented by Spartan Forge. Uh, we're working on getting Bill on the show. Bill just moved, so he's uh, super busy right now, but um, he's coming soon. He's going to talk about some of the new things going on with Spartan Forge. Hopefully, everyone who has the app, remember, you can get it for free, and you get the landowner information. You can be dropping pins, doing all the the mapping, scouting that you want to do. Um, uh, but if you want some, I think you get some of the additional layers, like the LIDAR, which is super helpful if you're planning an out-of-state hunt you want i mean you can literally see like deer trails on that lidar uh, layer uh, just from the years of deer traveling those same routes or i would think that'd be very helpful for elk hunters as well um uh using using that mapping layer Uh, but also um for the radio collar data uh the deer paired with the um uh Condition your GPS located conditions. AI searches through all that and makes predictions for what deer movement is going to look like for each day. And a lot of people want to just hunt those full range days, but just like uh, Clint's talking about, if it's a core area day, if those conditions seem to align with what most deer are doing on on with those conditions, again, understanding that's going to vary based on each animal, but you get a good general idea, um, hunt a core area then ha- hunt your core area stands and get him in it, you know, standing up in his bed, just get in there at the right time of day to, to be in position to do that. And, um, if you want that, you'll have to, to subscribe to it. Um, 3999 a year for a subscription, or I believe it's, uh, and Alex, you can correct me on this. Um, I think it's eight ninety nine a month. Uh, and so if you want to just, subscribe during the season to have that you can do that but you can find a link to spartan forge in uh, the show notes bill is ex-military intelligence, retired military intelligence and he has taken all those skills and his knowledge of how he used to track the enemy overseas and he's made he's put his war face on and made deer (laughs) his his target and he he's he's a scientist and that's what that's what he does and so you cannot you cannot ask for a better product from, from that regard. And, uh, Bill pours his life into it. He really does. The guy, every time I talk to him, he's in the middle of working on it. And, um, you can again, find that link in the show notes or you can go to my, uh, link tree in my Instagram bio and you can find a link there as well. And then of course the other man on the line tonight, Alex <clears throat> of East to West hunts. Uh, Alex has already planned, uh, uh several successful hunts. Uh, for clients this season, and it's still very early. We just had mm-hmm. earlier this week the success story of Jarrett Parsons hunting velvet muleys in Colorado. And I love how Jarrett said in that, Alex can't do X marks a spot for where you're going to go fill your tag. But he can, he's like, I found it in the circle where Alex said, I could expect there to be an animal. And uh, sure enough, he arrowed a nice 185. 185 inch uh velvet mule deer um in colorado and uh, he said in that show if you haven't listened to that episode yet he'd been hunting uh velvet muleys for 10 years this was his 11th year and he had four shot opportunities after following alex's hunt plan that alex carefully designed for him so head over to east to west hunts it's really the best way if you're going to be hunting out west if you need to have your tag applications taken care of, if you need to know how to build points and what's a realistic uh, a draw opportunity for you in the amount of time that you want to do a hunt, um, he, he matches it to your physical condition, to uh, the gear that you have. He'll rent you gear. Everything that you need to have a successful out-of-state hunting experience, Alex helps you get there, helps you with the workouts, goes and talks to uh, fish and game uh, officials and gets data from them he uh, uh just it really goes top to bottom talks to local guys to see what they're seeing and that's what goes into your hunt plan so talk to alex kind of goes along with what uh, clint was saying earlier too we we have all these parameters that we have to hunt with i think that's what people forget about i was just talking about this with my brother jake tonight on the phone People want to say, "Boy, you know Daniel Boone, what a great hunter!" And he was, and and Davy Crockett, and go right on down the list, right? You know all these Holt Collier, you know, just go down the list. All these great hunters through time, they didn't have hunting seasons. When they went hunting, they went for like two years at a time, you know, <laughs> they had, they had, they hunt they hunted at night, you know, they, <laughs> you know, it's believed that Daniel Boone met his wife while he was shining deer with a, with a torch and he almost shot her and uh, realized it was a, a human at the last second. But, but we, we have all these constraints and you just don't, if, if all you have is a week off from work and you're heading, you know, 20 hours away from where you live you're going to need some information in your back pocket and Alex is there to do that legwork for you. So go to east Tell him you listen to this podcast. Alex will knock 10% off your price and uh, he'll uh, 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 all of it will start though with a consultation, a free consultation as well. And Alex will tell you if he thinks during that consultation, Hey, I'm, I'm not what you're looking for. He's going to tell you that he's not going to sit here and, and, try and take your money he's he, okay. he wants he wants to do a genuine deal so make sure you go over to eastwesthunts.com talk to alex and then finally old barn taxidermy as good as it gets uh in the taxidermy will world sam gaylord the the mastermind the the guy who founded old barn taxidermy has been doing work all over the country for i believe nearly four decades and um uh, over 500 shoulder mounts come through Sam's shop every year. Um, uh, I have I take all my taxidermy work there to to Old Barn to be done, and it's just it's it's showroom quality. It's something you can be very proud of. I think both you guys can agree. There's nothing worse than bad taxidermy work. Ugh, it it, uh, it 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 just it sours the whole thing. Awful. Yep. Yep, yeah, And, and Sam will not let something like that leave his shop. It has to be perfect. And, uh, uh, he, he goes over every, every animal before it leaves to make sure that it's, it's exactly how he wants it or it's not, it's not ready. And, uh, so you can get that kind of work yourself. You can find a link, uh, again, in the show notes or, um, uh, I believe it's in my Instagram. Uh, maybe not. I may, I might need to add it there to my link tree, but it's definitely in these show notes. Go there, tell them that I sent you. They want to know that our uh, partnership's a good one. And I want to know that too. So go to old barn taxidermy, tell them the first gen Hunter podcast sent you there and get the best taxidermy you can possibly get done, um, with, uh, the, the, highly qualified highly skilled taxidermist that work there at old barn taxidermy so thank you again everyone for tuning in if you're loving the show please leave a five-star review that's a huge uh, uh thank you to us for bringing it to you and uh that helps other people find us and uh, hopefully learn how to enjoy hunting and be a part of this this crazy lifestyle uh, a little bit more and uh help them stick around for the long run and hopefully pull others up along with them to, to join it as well. Well, until next time, everyone take care and take someone hunting.